Hi, y'all. Welcome back to High Frequency, a.k.a. Intersectional Perspective X High Frequency. Um, but yeah, hi, y'all. I'm Den. Nice to have y'all back again. And this time, I'm joined with my friend and my audience, which means little, um, Anissa. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Um, oh, yeah. My name is Anissa. Um, I am a third year studying landscape architecture, minoring in city and regional planning. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> Should we just go for it? Yeah. Well, I'm so, I think it's so funny <laughs> that you like the way you introduced yourself and then your name and then your major and then your year. That's yeah, Berkeley <laughs> got to me because for every introduction, you kind of just have to state your Oh, and I go by the she, her, hers pronouns. Oh, true. Like you got to state your name pronouns major graduating class Listen, <laughs> i just got used to it i just i think that's so funny because i think whenever someone asks me to introduce myself i have like this 30 second like pitch to elevator go. pitch literally elevator pitch <laughs> i'd be like hi i'm Jen. hi i'm lee uh this is my pronouns i'm a x year at uc berkeley studying this and and it kind of like that part of the end of that conversation or the end part of that um, the elevator pitch is literally like maybe why y'all are connected or that event or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Y'all hear that? Free <laughs> advice, free professional advice. Honestly. <laughs> elevator pitch, yeah. Be That's... like super intentional. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I'm super excited to have y'all come here today and listen to us because me and Anissa are going to talk about perception. Perception. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah. Uh, I think and I think how we came up with this topic is we literally were just chilling one time and you know we had like this two how two whole hour conversation at A Plus Burger which is like this burger joint in yeah, Berkeley. Super random, yeah. Yeah, and what, what happened? We were just like. I think it was because we were updating each other on our lives and like what changed about us like since quarantine started and then it got into like philosophies and mindsets so perspectives perception definitely um and definitely and I, I think at the end of that conversation i was like hey if we could make a podcast about anything <laughs> right yeah i was not expecting that i was like oh my god me like are you sure but uh, i'm excited to be here listen um, i okay first of all you're hella brilliant like i think you forget that about yourself thank you so <laughs> i was like hmm and i think it's also such an interesting question because like if you wanted to speak on something what would it be? And, um, yeah, I think this is a great, 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 great conversation. Yeah, I'm excited. And, yeah, for, so thank you for being here with me and sharing the space. Thank you for having me. And, yeah, I, I think kind of the initial, with perception, the thing that shapes us most is our childhood. They say that 90% of, like, the way you're wired begins from age for like one to five. Oh, interesting i didn't know like that. when you fir- like when you're born to like up to five years old mm-hmm. is that's like the best time for like brain development or like yeah think about like how you like learn language so naturally then that's true and how it's harder to learn languages after the age of 25 because it's like your prefrontal cortex is already developed something like that i, I didn't but, know that kind of yeah. end point to to that like rigidity <laughs> is that even it yeah i think it's just more like focused on a certain um capacity yeah yeah depending on how you 
function because if you think about it like children especially they're super curious they're always like wondering how to do things or what things feel like but as you get older you learn those things and you don't really have to go out of your way to experience them or try new things yeah. i guess in a sense but yeah that makes sense so well what was your childhood like what was it like my dad in the military he joined the military for so we could get like a better life you know um and then because he was in the military we would have to move around every like one to four years usually two to three but i was born in japan i was born on yokota air force base and then i moved to belgium um or no i moved to arizona that's where my younger brother was born then we moved to belgium um i did preschool there and then we moved to Germany. We lived there for four years, which was pretty cool. We kept asking for an extension. Wow. And then we moved to Colorado for three years. And then um, South Korea, Daegu, Daegu, if any of y'all know. Um, <laughs> and then we moved back to Japan, but to Zama. Um, and then we moved to Washington. And then now I'm in California. Wow. Wait, that's like, how many places is that? Like, um, at least nine. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, like, eight. I don't know. I haven't counted, actually. I don't really see it like that, but that's interesting to count. Um, mm. Places you've lived based on, like, how many places instead of, like... Where? Yeah, and, like, the experience... I mean, like, experiences is always, like, considered, but the initial thought, I would think, is more of, like, times in my life, not necessarily how many places. Mm. And... Um, Kind of what are, what are some of your favorite places that you lived in? And mm. least favorite? I feel like... Well, my answers are biased because I feel like I didn't really remember that much when I was younger. Like, when I lived in Belgium and stuff, I only remember, like, certain things. Yeah. Um, but I think my top three would be South Korea, Japan, and Germany. Mainly because... I like, Germany because um, that's where I spent, like, most of my childhood in one place. Um, and then Korea and Japan because they're pretty close to each other and that's where I had like the older years of my life so like middle school high school um, and that was pretty impactful on like who I am today so definitely those three places wow. and kind of to build off of that how do you think your perception of the world around you changed as you move places so perception the thing about perception I feel like um perception really shapes your reality and like what you pay attention to and what you don't mm -hmm. um but to answer your question all the places that i've lived in um i'm really grateful for the experiences and stuff um it was just really hard like the culture shock within each location was really hard to adjust to um but i think i really paid attention to different aspects of each environment so like in Japan and Korea, I really paid attention to, like, infrastructure and, like, the way the roads were made and, like, how people drive. Mm. But in Germany, it was more, like, the social culture and, like, how people um, interact with one another and, like, the holidays they celebrate and the festivals that they have. Mm, like Oktoberfest? Um, yeah, Oktoberfest. <laughs> yeah, I went to that once. Oh, no way. Yeah. You went to Oktoberfest? Yeah, and I was, like, really young because it was, like, my family and then, like, our family or my parents like friends and then they all brought their families schnitzel was good like the food was good but we didn't 
explore much. We were just by the food all the time. But yeah. Oh, that's another really interesting thing is what were the food like in all those places? Yeah, so like one of the main reasons why I can't really choose a favorite is because they're all unique and they're all really special in their own ways, I guess. Um, so like food in Germany was so good, especially like meat, like lamb, deer, sometimes rabbit. Like Wow. Yeah, yeah it's it was really cool to try and experience um and then with like japan and korea definitely desserts um and like sushi and stuff so um yeah i don't really the my i feel like my um my palate like my taste palate i don't know if that's what it's called um is definitely more um complex not complex but like it it has more variety you know and I feel like, too, with perception, I'm really... I feel like the main reason why I pay attention so much to perception is because I'm always constantly thinking about my environment and how I um, interact yeah. with the environment and how I perceive it, you know? And Talk about architect. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't think about it like that. But yeah, it definitely has factored into how I see, like, architecture and, like, my passion for it. Mm. I guess I'm just always curious about, like, what's different or what I'm not used to Mm. um and like in terms of perception like when I said um like perception like reality and like the relation they have with each other is that like obviously there's a worldly perception that everyone shares like you know they're um with capitalism and everything like and social issues like there is that reality that aspect of reality but the also, common thread. <laughs> yeah, 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 common thread. Um, but, like, individually speaking, we all perceive life in different ways. We interact with our environment in different ways and experience things. Even if, like, you're with someone else, you're not in the same position, like, while you're experiencing life. So their perception could be, like, they could be experiencing the same reality as you, but they perceive it in a different way because just because of that. But also, like, when you build on... Um, like as you get older and um your environment and your surroundings and like how you developed your um values and morals and stuff that also shapes your perception you know yeah. so like everything's just always different and there's no one um no one way of like it, or yeah. yeah no one way of existing in reality if yeah. that makes sense like these eyes in our head are eyes in our head yeah and like even to the interactions and like the relationships you develop with people like you don't like especially if you have like family and like if you have two okay so I have two brothers um but my relationship with each one is completely different because one they're different ages but also they have different interests and that also changes how I interact with them and how we interact with each other you know How how old is your first brother and how old is your other brother and what are you like with both of them Okay, yeah, so my older brother, he goes to UC Davis, um, he is 22, um, and he's very into music, and, like, well, I guess they're both really good at, like, socializing, but, like, he's into music and, like, culture, um, and my younger brother is also into music, but on a different type, like, we all have different tastes in music and, like, fashion-wise, my younger brother's really been, like, experimenting and, like, developing his own personal style um 
And I feel like my relationship with both is similar but different because when we interact with each other, we're able to, like, collaborate and share, um, like, our experience together. But it also is different for, like, when I'm... Okay, for example, if I'm talking to my older brother, we would, like, go to raves. Like, back when that was a thing, yeah. Um, We would talk about college experiences and stuff and, like, how to really navigate through this time in our lives. Whereas my younger brother, I'm his author, so, like, I have to be more of the teacher to him. Um, I totally know how that feels. Yeah, and my older brother is, like, the teacher to me. Um, And so with my younger brother, it's more, like, fashion tips and, like, oh, have you seen this yet? Um... Or, like, just updating each other on different things. And I feel like that's that's actually a really good example of perception, you know? Like, based on your upbringing, even though we're all related and we're all, like, had pretty much the same upbringing, our experiences and our relations with other people shape how we view ourselves and, like, what we, have, what we put value to, which changes, like, perception for everyone, you know? And I think it's super interesting that you're in the middle because... As your older brother, I feel like they are the one that gives you more structure. And, like, I don't know, I feel like that's kind of... There's a more responsibility, like, the older you are in relation to, like, a sibling. Yeah, I I agree. And maybe do you feel that way when you're with your younger brother? Um, to a certain extent, yeah. I feel that um, it's not so much of a hierarchy as, um, as it is, like... A role. Just different, yeah, a role oh. in, like, just different... Um, different areas of expertise i'm not saying we're experts at like whatever you know but um you're the experts of your own life you're the expert (laughs) of your own life is someone like someone once told me that oh nice yeah i love that um and it makes sense because like if you're an expert in something then you obviously do your research and like you know a lot about it and you spend a lot of time like thinking about and cultivating like whatever it whatever it is that you're in expertise in um and i feel like with my brothers yeah we teach each other a lot but and it's like there's definitely like that teacher role and then like the auditing role (laughs) yeah yeah but it's also like I still learn a lot from both of them and I know that they still learn a lot from each other and from me because we're I guess experts in different areas like for example I'll know more about the college experience than my younger brother but he knows more about like a certain fashion sense than me so he's able to teach me that um Mm. And, like, bringing it back to perspective, we're all, like, um, I guess whatever we choose to have in our, like, in our reality and, like, what we um, put our effort and energy and time into, like, we become very knowledgeable about that, you know? And so I feel like with relationships, everyone brings something. Like, I don't think it's ever really, like, oh, this person has more to offer than the other because, like, our perspectives and, like, our values and just everything in general like our identities are so different so that there's so much to bring to the table anyway you know mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think that's a great point um and to flip that around so you're um indonesian and filipino right mm-hmm. and so kind of what does being indonesian and filipino mean to you and oh, how yeah. is that like shared commonality within the other filipinos and indonesians in your life shifted your pers- your perception and like the way you are able to connect with them in a way and maybe like in a way that other people who aren't of that ethnicity have a hard time relating to Ooh, that is a loaded question where do i start Um, where do i begin yeah um okay so being um 
or like my dad's Filipino and my mom's Indonesian so like there was definitely a lot of culture um, within our household um, but it was never really like oh this is dad's side this is mom's side it's like they bring in different cultural elements um, throughout like throughout um, or like they bring it into the environment so that we're used to both um, and like we acknowledge both but they don't necessarily are like mm, okay so for example like language they're very similar i mean southeast asia so like that makes sense um true but at the same time a lot of the things like spanish um with like the Galog and stuff that's more related and like indonesian i don't know what's what it's more related to but probably like other south asian southeast asian countries yeah. um so like that language barrier or like that language difference itself um changed like our environment and how they spoke to us um and i feel that um yeah uh like to answer your question about like what it what does it mean to me um i don't think that it i'm necessarily half filipino half indonesian um mm-hmm. i'm like both yes but i see yeah like it's not 50 50 it's more like 100 100 and I know, wow. it, but it doesn't like equate to two hundred percent because obviously, like that, that's kind of impossible. But like, I'm both because I I take from both. Yes. But at the same time, there's also that like American aspect of like growing, um, and like living on base and stuff. So I also have that cultural element in my life too. So I guess like being Filipino and Indonesian to me means, um, means that I am both. Yeah. Not like not partially but wholly like in all of it yeah in all of its being but i Mm -hmm. definitely like there are things that i don't know about each culture though like i know a little bit about both um but i'm not like i'm not a native you know because like Mm. i'm part of both it's really hard to explain i don't know how to explain it but yeah that's super interesting because i since I've, like, kind of grew... I was born and kind of partially grew up in the Philippines. Like, my perception of my ethnic race... My ethnic um, background of being Filipino. I... That's, like, the only thing I could identify with. So it was honestly really hard for me to understand what being other... Like, kind of being a mix of things and being exposed to that culture. Mm-hmm. Because I wouldn't even say, like... I'm well I would say I'm also not just Filipino but also have like Spanish blood in me mm-hmm. how has that affected um maybe like my my own ideas and kind of the things that even though I don't like the colonizers that came and you know took over my home native country that they I they are still part of me in blood and genetics mm-hmm. and the things that they brought over um I think that's super interesting and I think I think you also like changed my mind about that fifty fifty thing because mm-hmm. that's no, yeah. <laughs> um I I didn't come up with it myself I remember reading it somewhere but I don't remember what platform and like where I read it from but that definitely changed my perspective too on like my own identity and who I put myself out to be and yeah. like show myself out to be but also like who I believe is like in me you know that if that makes sense I don't know you are holy all. Yeah, like you're you're both. It's not like you're totally yeah, yeah. It's not like water, or it doesn't make <laughs> even sense. Yeah, I totally get it. 
Mm. So instead of like, a, you are a pie, it's like these different kind of Yeah, like you're both. Yeah, like you have both in your blood. And like, depending on your upbringing, like you may have experienced both cultures or like however many cultures you, you have like in your in your family, you know, like you experience all of it. So who's to say that you're only like 50%, 25%. But I guess that can be a bit problematic um, in terms of like claiming um, an identity and using slang that relates right. to the identity, you know? Hmm. But yeah, from my perspective, like at least for myself, because I'm only, well, aside from like American, I don't like, yeah. Americanized. We're Americanized. Yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> Asi- yeah, aside from that, like, I'm only, or like, I am Filipino and Indonesian, so like, I don't believe that I'm just like half, you know? Where? So I know you lived in another country before you came to Berkeley to start college, right? Um, I lived in Washington, but before Washington, I lived in Japan. How old were you when you left Japan? Um, I was 16. It was right before junior year. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wait, you were really just newly in the United States mm-hmm. well, for the last five years? Yeah, but I lived in Colorado and Arizona for a little bit, so, like, and living on base is definitely pretty similar to, like, um, being in America. Of course, really? like, the buildings are kind of different, and, like, you have curfews and stuff, and, like, there's a little more, like, regulation enforced but aside from that i feel like the social culture is pretty similar Um, so it wasn't too hard to adjust but the social culture was so hard to adjust to when you first came here yeah like Mm, um, what was that like especially in high school not gonna lie i mean like i'm grateful for my experiences um but i did not really like high school that much it was it was rough yeah i mean i loved high school in japan but then when i moved to the states it was a lot, um, it was like a wake-up call, I feel like, in terms of, like, the social culture in America. It's definitely a lot more upfront, um, and, like, direct, you know? That, especially in the Bay Area. Yeah, culture, social culture is so different, like, based on where you live. I feel like that also shapes your perception, you know? I... I definitely feel like once I came to Berkeley, I really soaked in, like... I, well, I think it's really diverse here with in terms of just, like, so many people come from so many places. Mm-hmm. But there is, like, this overarching culture of, like, Bay Area, Silicon Valley, heavy, like, business, like, Tesla's here, Twitter's here, Google's here. Mm-hmm. And I think that also shaped the way that I... Not, like, the way I became, because I feel like I became a bit more, like, forward, very, like, a lot more loud. Mm-hmm. A bit more opportunistic. I don't know if that sounds That's good, like... good, yeah. And, like, unapologetic. Unapologetic. As you should. As you should. Honestly, the more I learned more about, like, my Filipinx heritage from, like, outside of my community, I, th- I think it's just really empowering. Like... No, yeah. Like, claim that. Claim know? that. <laughs> like, it's part of you. It's something to be proud of and, like, mm. really um, applaud yourself for. Like to be able to overcome adversity especially moving like growing up in one place and like moving to a completely different country like that's that's hard that is hard yeah i i commend people who are able to do that and like really get involved in like the environment that they're in and like take advantage of the opportunities that they're that are presented to them like where they're at that's really cool 
That's a great point. And how about when you came to to Berkeley? Like, what changed? Oh, man. Honestly, I feel like my whole life changed. <laughs> like, <laughs> not, not to be honest, I'm like, are you able to... Yeah, yeah, of course. Sorry, okay. Woo-hoo. But, like, not to be... Not to be cliche or anything, but when I like growing up, like my constant was like the military culture, you know, like um, 5 p.m. is when everyone has to like stand up and salute to the flag as like the flags are being raised down. And like even in movie theaters, like they would make you stand for the national anthem like right before. I don't know if this is like. (laughs) Exposed. Well, I don't think it's exposing. People just don't know that much about like military life. But um, yeah, like. Everything there made me have so much, like, patriotism for America. I was like, wow, Whoa. America really helped <laughs> all these, like, quote-unquote, developing countries, you know? Like, yeah. wow, the impact. But then when I got to college, I took this class my freshman year. It was a rhetoric class. Um, and it was about, like, decolonizing our theories of knowledge. And, like... What was it called? What is... I think that's what it was called. It was, like, de decolonizing or like something like that i I forgot but decolonize your brain (laughs) uh no it wasn't that it was um but that was basically the message (laughs) and i'm really grateful for it because um it made me question like the standards and like or like it made me question um things that are already set in place you know um and like not just in a literal aspect of like oh why is this um formatted the way it is like in books and stuff but it also made me question like the way i understood and like perceived um other countries outside of like the western world you know because like that class really taught me that you know westernization and um all of these things from like eurocentric um or i guess just like european powers and like the new world and stuff um it really placed this hierarchy that they were the top or like they're the top they're the best and that's that but when I took this class it made me realize and question things like why is it that we have to cite um like profound philosophical like people from Europe yeah and why is that considered credible as a source um and not like indigenous peoples in other countries who are just right. as valid. It's because, like, the way we think about things and the way that knowledge is structured is it favors, um, like, the Western world. You know, like, who's to say that Times New Roman is, like, the standard professional font? Like, True. who's to say that, um, like, yeah, just things like that. And, um, like, who's to say that you have to sit in a classroom, like, facing a board and the teacher, like, instructs you, like that might not be the best method of teaching and people learn in different ways. And I know that other cultures are, or like they interact with their students in different ways and they teach in different ways. So like, who's to say that that's the standard and that's like the best, you know? And so just keeping in mind these things. Oh, and like, we also read, um, Edward Said, like about, um, Orientalism, the Occident in the Orient. Like who's to say that like <laughs> Europeans are better than, other cultures and like other countries you know and um could you speak on what orient and occident are yeah so um the orient is basically like what is or like with orientalism and honestly like 
correct me if I'm wrong, because, you know, it's been a while, but, like, <laughs> there's, that. yeah, there's basically two type or two groups, so it's, like, the Western world, the center of everything, but then there's the others, um, and so mm. that's, like, with Like, it's oriented around an Occident, and the Occident is Western powers? I believe so. Is it's it either that or the other way around, because there's, like, mm. the Orient of, it could also be the Orient of, like, the people in the center and then the occident the other like everyone else outside oh, wow. it, like either i'm honestly like i will check that later but basically the main message is there's one and the other and it's like western world and the non-western world like the word foreign countries yeah foreign countries and like foreigners yeah and like um the image that evokes yeah, with, like, Chinatown and stuff, like, mm, that being seen as, like, an attraction, like, why is it exhibited mm. like that, you know? And, um, it exoticizes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with, like, um, the geishas in Japan, um, is that how they're pronounced, geisha? I think it's geisha, geisha, yeah. geisha. But, yeah, like, why is it that other countries outside of, like, the, the top ones, quotes again... But, like, why is it that they have to be, like, put on display to enjoy? Like, I feel like that's mm. pretty degrading. Um, but, yeah, but, at, at the, yeah, and with, like, museums and stuff, like, they intend well with, like, the, the information that they put out. And it does help. But there's also, like, the argument. I remember we were discussing in class about um, why is it that, like, other cultures have to perform for, like, the western world you know could you explain so there's this one photograph or not photograph it was a drawing of like this kid or like this person um and they were like snake charming or something oh, like that and yeah. so like for the people in that culture it seemed uh, or not culture but like for the people in that environment because we don't really know the context of it right um it was it was like standard like day to day but like yeah. For it to become a prominent image within, like, academia, it was, I feel like it was put on a pedestal, but not in the right ways. It was like, oh, this is amusing. This is out of the ordinary. Like, we've yeah. never seen something like this before. Like, let's, let's, um, not necessarily, well, I guess exploit, I don't know. Yeah, like, I feel like it makes it comical, almost. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Basically, like, not really taking it seriously or using it for their own amusement. Yes. You know? It's so interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I literally think of, like, movies and TV shows when they, like, would pass through a bazaar. Is that how you say mm-hmm. it? I think so. I don't... I'm not sure, but... It's those Middle Eastern... Or I don't even want to say Middle Eastern. It's, um, like, those Asian kind of Mediterranean regions. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even, like, South Asia, like, India with... I don't know, like, they're passing through and there's, like... The snake, the snake charmer with the thing on their head. Yeah, it's like stereotyped. A bat, you know? yes. And like, who's to say that that's how it really is? You know, and like it probably isn't. <laughs> yeah, and like especially with Egyptians too. Like people are just now finding out that they weren't fair complected. You know, like they they didn't have fair skin. Like they were on the darker side, like more melanin. They're, so like, the African region. They're literally Africans. Yeah. The African continent. Exactly. So like, this image of like how we perceive the world and like the historical context and stuff is right. very important when you're 
I guess, like, shaping your perception on your reality, on reality itself, because, like, everyone has, like, different... Like, we all experience reality, but in different ways, you know? So, like, I think it was Foucault who was talking about, like, the political... Or, like, the science behind, like, politics and how we... Okay, that's actually a different topic. Never mind. I'm not gonna like get Foucault. into that. Yeah. Um, the way you read um, white philosophers. Wait, is Foucault no, yeah. a philosopher? Uh, I feel like they're all pretty profound, like mm. intellectuals. I don't know if it's they're really considered philosophers necessarily. I don't know, but um, mm. yeah, that's another thing. That's what my um, professors would bring up too. Like in that class, they'd be like, "Yeah, and we're gonna read this, this, and this." Also, like we apologize in advance. We know that it's like contradicting or like hypocritical to what this course stand or like is intended to do but this is literally how the world has been shaped and this is how we receive knowledge and like how we get these um yeah how we just receive knowledge so like they have to educate us some way you know but yeah um and to ignore that is like kind of missing a big point of it yeah i think the main thing with them was that they taught us in like with those like big people Um, But they also made us keep in mind um, to question those things and to question the sources and like, why is it credible and why it isn't, you know? That's super valuable. I I think that's, I think even just framing that, um, putting that frame on it as you read, uh, like maybe even like change the way as you read the material itself. No, yeah, it definitely did. Especially like when they said like, um, Times New Roman font and stuff like when they brought up those like <laughs> minor details like yeah. it seems minor now but like thinking back on the context like who's to say that that's that that should be like the, the standard. standard yeah so Literally. yeah that definitely made me question a lot uh, and was there any other class that you took that also changed the way you Cause I feel like Berkeley classes could be like that mm-hmm. like I know we were talking about this earlier where before you came to Berkeley, maybe you had, like, an idea of what Berkeley was going to be like, and there was a class that was like, oh, my God, this is so Berkeley. Mm-hmm. This is probably what they meant. Yeah. Yeah, it was actually that class, the rhetoric class, um, like, deconstructing theories of knowledge, like, from the non-colonial perspective that definitely changed my perspective and, like, how I perceive the world. Um, also, like, in more, um, I guess, more pli- more applicable terms um or like yeah in more applicable ways my city planning classes actually they made me or like they taught us um about red redlining and like zoning um black wall street and stuff um and that's such a change because like they don't talk about that in textbooks especially like in high school like i never learned about that um Pearl Harbor took, like, five pages, and then, like, True. the bombing in Hiroshima and Nagasaki was a, a paragraph. paragraph. <laughs> it was literally a paragraph. I, I know what you mean, and I remember yeah. reading that. I was like, this is... And it's so bad, because, like, the way knowledge... I feel like, at least in America, the way knowledge is framed is that, like, these Western powers are the top, and, like, they're the saviors, and but... And if it's destiny... Yeah, like, what's with the white savior complex? Well, I know, even now, with, like, the whole, so, like, the, just the more human rights movements that are happening, there's a lot of white centricism around it, like... Yeah, performative activism, especially. On the, on Instagram, on Twitter, I see y'all. <laughs> no, yeah, I like, see we see y'all. We're taking notes, but, taking, you know, taking, keeping tabs. Um... And, yeah, even, like, environmentalism, I feel like it's so, like, 
indigenous people, black communities, you know, BIPOC communities have been fighting for environmentalism. I think they're in existence because even the way that... Like, Environmental racism. Yeah. There's, like, such a duality with it because I think with, like, Native Americans who lived here before, they lived in harmony with the natural world, the non-human world. They didn't believe in boundaries. They didn't land. believe in... Yeah. <laughs> like, land was something to share. Did you see that? something to share. Uh, mm-hmm. thing on Twitter where, like, this Native uh, guy, like, chops his hair off, throws it on the ground because the Canadian country is, like building a road over where his family used to live. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. Whoa. It was, it was super powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's super interesting. And wait, so did you take city planning classes because of your architecture major? Um, or your uh, college of design? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's my minor. Like, city and regional planning is my minor. But um, I wanted to take on that minor because I took a city planning class. And it was... Um, it was an option for, like, one of the gen ed requirements in the college. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it definitely has shaped my perception on, um, on like, on different areas and, like, how people live. Because if you think about it, like, city planning and, like, where people live, like, especially the suburbs after industrializ- industrialization, like, it really shaped or it really helped develop this hierarchy and, like, classism, you know? Like, where you live determine, Or, for the most part, where you live, if you stay in that environment, that, like, determines your level of success. Zip codes are actually really... Aren't they, like, really mean telling of, like, how a person's life would come out in the United States is based on their zip code? Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, wasn't there, like, a study or something? Yeah, there was. And it makes sense, too, because, like... Obviously, if you stay in, within the same environment or, like, zip code, then you're not exposed to, like, other environments and resources and opportunities that you could get if you live somewhere else. Honestly. And it, like, uh, like everyone, or I don't know about everyone, but, like, sometimes people are given the resources to get out of their environment, but other people don't have those same circumstances, you know, and so they have to stay where they live and live how the people in their area live till like they die I guess yeah. unless they leave but some people don't have the option to leave I remember when I I honestly I think it's really different because I was able to get out of uh, Texas to go to UC Berkeley because of like student loans and mm-hmm. I hate student loans but I think that without those kind of aids I wouldn't be able to be here no yeah same here like i know you had like the gi bill or yeah gi bill but also um calvet honestly for you like military brats out there if you're trying to get or pursue higher education and like you don't have the financial means if you're um if you're what's it called i forgot what it like the military term is but basically if like your parent or like whoever you're related to is in the military and they once they retire they get the 100 percent disability you only need like 30 percent or something to qualify for calvet um that's why i'm here like if i did not have calvet and like gi bill we would not be able to afford like going to school here so i'm really that's grateful for that yeah and um i remember like reading this i took this class by um robert reich and it was about inequality hmm. and like what aspects um in, like income inequality equality actually like racial inequality all pretty very encapsulating but specifically in the United States and 
Yeah, they said like, kind of with the surge of the amount of colleges, the ones that are likely to have high payoffs from the education are those from like top universities like Harvard, Yale, Stanford, mm-hmm. Berkeley, um, and then kind of these kind of less um, prestigious colleges. In average, and I think data tells a really interesting story, is that their tip, their kind of ability to move upwards socially and socioeconomically aren't as huge as, you know, the institutions that are, like, kind of... Provided in their area. Prestigious, yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, and that makes sense. I feel like... Even just going to Berkeley, your ability to move upwards socioeconomically is, like, really... Inhibited. Um, actually, no, like, really, like, it's a lot more. Because you get oh. to have an education from Berkeley. Oh, yeah, yeah, but... Oh, yeah, sorry, I was thinking in the other way. Yeah, if you stayed in, like, environments that didn't really allow you to, you know, really maximize your potential, like, it sucks. It does suck. But the people who are able to get out, you They're, know, like, a lot more well-off. Better off, yeah, 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 I agree. Um, ooh, okay, so for me, I had two classes that really changed my mind. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, so there's this class called Global Poverty in Practice. Mm. And I really enjoyed it because, listen, I was trying to be, like, a business major. Mm-hmm. And then to take this class where it was, like, listen, capitalism, here's, like, dissecting it. and Oh, interesting. Like, really understanding, like, the way capitalism revolves around our life. Um, and I think being an economics major, too. What econ is to capitalism is what marriage is to, like, a paper Oh, interesting. Can you explain a little bit? Yeah, so, like, when you sign a marriage document, like, when you get married, there are, like, social, like, impacts of that in your life that makes it, like, official, but also without kind of the social pressures and kind of the world around us, it's just a piece of paper that you signed. That's true. Oh, interesting. And the way econ without capitalism would just be, like, a study. A study, an abstract, whatever. Yeah. A paper. That's interesting. But without that context. I think that's also super interesting that, like, the context of econ and capitalism in our society is probably the, is the main driving force that is affecting all of us. Like, we live in a capitalist society. Um, Very materialistic. Materialistic to laws, right? I think you talked about a lot of, like, those redlining stuff, like... Mm-hmm. But also, like advancing political figures too with like campaigns and stuff and like the two the two-party system it's really hard for independent um parties to get on the ballot because i don't know i feel like our system is so ingrained within society that it's really hard to change i think it's so interesting that you like study that because architecture because it's literally like the things that builds our society Mm mm-hmm and I think there's also a lot of power in that because you are able to not only build, but you can deconstruct the buildings that Ooh, are in us. Ooh, wait, that's good. Build, but deconstruct. Yes, <laughs> you I can love build, that. you can deconstruct. No, yeah, deconstruct from the inside. And you can deconstruct and build. True. <laughs> You're an architect and capitalism. <laughs> that's true. And, oh, second, the second class that really changed my mind was it's called SM50 AC. It's an oh, American cultures class. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was about, and we just talked a lot about, like, systemic racism, like, the reason why so many black folks, black folks are disproportionately affected during, like, Hurricane Katrina, 
was because of like the racialized system that has been there to like push black communities in areas that were a lot more prone to flooding mm-hmm. and yeah environmental racism and like yeah. you know placing like low-income communities within um like feet or not feet but like miles or like very close to like power plants and like radioactive areas like they don't choose to live in those areas and like people who are more well off it's not even just a racial thing but like in terms of like your class and like how much money you have and like your assets you're able to live a better life because like you have more money and who typically have like wealth and money in here typically men typically white white folks and like Mm -hmm. the way that magnifies itself and it's kind of like the average dot like the dollar per like based on your identity so i like for like the white man it's the dollar standard and then like for white women it's like 91 dollar 91 cents per dollar on average oh interesting and then for black women it's like 58 58 cents to like the white man's dollar damn yeah like everything is connected everything is related and impacts each other the way like the fabrics of our society are just interwoven Mm -hmm. both in like racial gender um religions um all that all that Mm -hmm. and okay i know we kind of dove deep into the academic route because Mm -hmm. listen we go to berkeley (laughs) like why are we not gonna like use our knowledge (laughs) definitely um knowledge is very important and like questioning your knowledge and your understanding of the world is very important so i think it's it's okay that we (laughs) spent a little a little more time on that one i think i think it's really really profound Mm -hmm. that our education here definitely changed the way we look at the world and the way we can build the world Mm -hmm. and deconstruct certain parts deconstruct yeah (laughs) um okay so i i want to know more about your idea of perception around other people in your life um, relationships like relationships yeah. from your romantic to your platonic and friendships to your familial mm-hmm. to parental figures like all that like what is that like how do you think perception perspective ties to your relationship honestly i feel like it's one of the most important things if not the most important thing to um to really impact your relationships and how you interact with your relationships but also like with yourself um and there's this one thing i read i'm so sorry i don't like cite the source i literally like (laughs) like, i read yeah i read and then i just like i take it in and then like that's it like i don't really like do further research but like it made me think and i saw this one thing that said you only really understand someone based on your level of perception of them um, and that goes for other people on you as well. That's why um, you have acquaintances and that's why you have like friends, but you also have like other um, closer connections because based on your level of perception and like your emotional capacity to handle different things, you're able to learn about someone else and learn about yourself deeper or pretty surface level if it's not that deep. But yeah, I feel like perception in terms of relationship, um, I actually really just started thinking about these things this year Mm. um like the relationships that i have with other people and the relationship that i have with myself that affects other people yes um and i learned that with perception i guess like i said before you only really understand someone like 
as much as as deep as like your level of perception with them um and you're able to really connect with other people based on that you know because like your more meaningful connections or yeah I guess meaningful to you and like your deeper connections um if you really think about it like why why are they so deep it's because you know more than just their favorite color you know like (laughs) yeah you know like yeah more than just their name or like their profession or like their passions you know like you know of it but you don't know why you know and so based on how much you know about other people and about yourself you're really able to connect with them and yourself so Hmm. yeah perception i feel like is definitely an integral aspect of relationships because you only really understand someone as much as you're able or willing to understand you know about them and yourself Hmm. so who are your like closest friends and Whenever you, I mean, do you have any, like, childhood friends that you still keep up with? So, I do, um, I do have some friends, um, and it's definitely different because, like, we don't see each other. I haven't seen one of them. Like, I have, so from my, since childhood, I've had two best friends, Nerf and Selena, if y'all are listening, love (laughs) y'all, but, um, I haven't seen Nerf since middle school. Selena, I just saw her this year, I was like before everything shut down I was really grateful to see her um and I feel like we're able to develop those connections because we started like really young and stuff but at the same time a lot of my other deep connections um were made with people from here and like people who I usually see like day to day like um yeah and I don't I don't really think that the longer you know someone like the more valid your relationship with them is I I feel like it's not only based on experience and like what y'all go through but also what y'all go through and like what it means to each of you Mm -hmm. so you have to really like dive in and like think introspectively like not just quantity but the quality you're able to build together yeah and I think that's very telling of um why sometimes your friends could be more a family to you than your actual family like based on circumstances and like upbringing but also um how much you understand the person and like accept them yeah. as they are and you and they accept you as you are like you're really able to develop deeper connections and people you've known for like your whole life I completely agree what about you how has your perspective and perception changed with your relationships really great question i think that um when i was younger i just absorbed everything from the environment around me and the people around me because that's i think that's what it is like when you grow up that is your culture the culture that is like you're brought up with and i think culture can also like exist beyond maybe just ethnic identity um but i think that is like part of it but it also is dependent on like the region that you grew up with the communities around you if were they like religious were they not religious Mm -hmm. um what what do they value political stances that does shape a lot with and it ties into people's values too right so there's like the values of the people that you grew up with the relationships that you have and there's like this thing where you they say you are the five people you spend the most time with or you're closest to like you are the mean of the five people that you spend the most time with and are closest to interesting I didn't I didn't think about that that does make sense though like based on values but also like 
level of understanding, emotional capacity, yeah. being able to acknowledge those things. Yeah. Definitely. So I feel like before I came here, I was a lot more ingrained into like that Texan uh, Texan folks. <laughs> um. Like all the Latinas in my community, the Latinxes. And when I came here, um, oof. I don't, honestly, I was able to build from so many parts, but I think the three biggest ones are Filipinx, queer, and like business tech. Capital, like we live in a very like hyper capitalistic like area. Mm-hmm. No, area. yeah. <laughs> like Elon Musk is probably like what thirty miles away, yeah. if that. <laughs> How has um, Berkeley changed your perspective? Because I know that you you've moved around a couple of times, right? And yeah, how has your perception and like your perspective on the world and yourself changed? Hmm. I think Berkeley is super interesting because. They, well, I guess I'll just start where, like, I grew up in. Actually, the place that I lived in. So I lived, I was born and lived in the Philippines for, like, five years. And I came to Ohio, like, Midwest, what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, like, the culture shock, you know? The culture shock. I literally remember when I was, like, five years old and practicing my English in front of a mirror because I wanted to get better at English, like, Uh my accent. Mm -hmm. And I think that was something. Um, and also I feel like I got more exposed to rock because I, dude, for some reason, the Midwest is like really big on rock, like Michael Jackson to like Green Day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you know what I mean, but. No, yeah, yeah. Like all that. Yeah. And that definitely makes sense. Live in Texas. People there are super friendly. Oh, cool. Um, I actually really like it there in terms of like the people. And when I came to Berkeley, I think people are a bit more like just on the move. Direct. Direct yeah. and on the move. That's, like, just the culture here. So I think all of those have shaped the way who I, like, who I am now today. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's what it is. Like, you are kind of the product of your environment. Yeah. Or at least partially. And the people you surround yourself with. The people that you surround with. The mm-hmm. relationship around you and how that ultimately, like, shapes your perspective. Reality, yeah. And your reality. Honestly, yes, your reality. Um... But <laughs> this I, is long. <laughs> I'd be like, uh. Sorry, y'all. And, okay, I do have a few questions I do want to ask you. Um, okay, the first question is, what's the most beautiful thing you've ever witnessed? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hmm. Well, the first things that come to mind is, what is beauty? You know, like, to me, beauty is different um, than, like, maybe someone else's, like, vision of beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like there's beauty in everything, you know? Um, not to be, like, cliche or anything, but you can find beauty in anything. You can find value in anything, really. And um, I feel that with your, like, with your preferences, that's what really constructs your idea of beauty. Um and I guess in a physical, in a physical way, like in terms of environment, I find it really beautiful how, like, if you're on a side, you know how like sometimes there's just some like plants or like vegetation growing through like the cracks or like yeah. if um, the sidewalk is shaped a certain way because of like the roots from a tree. Yeah. I think that's really beautiful. I feel like 
it's a really good reminder that nature is always there and it was there first and yeah. it's powerful in that we can't really it's like an agent of it in it of its own yeah because like especially with natural disasters and stuff like yeah. obviously we don't want them to happen but like sometimes we can't really predict it like very Control. accurately and like if we are impacted by it like all of our material we- wealth and like the physical stuff that we place value in like it's gone just like that you know um, yeah. is there such thing as a natural disaster because what is a natural disaster see that's another thing i don't necessarily see it as a disaster you know it just kind of happens yeah disaster in a sense that yeah it can ruin like your stuff and like what you've built your um like your values on and stuff in it's terms of like material <laughs> yeah like materialism and like materialistic aspects but like we can't control how an earthquake happens or like its magnitude you know um but yeah sorry that like was gonna lead to a whole other direction but basically my something i find really beautiful is seeing um seeing things blossom and i guess just like persevere through environments and in environments that weren't made for them or made to limit them Mm. and you honestly like i think that in and of itself is beautiful but also the message behind it you know like you can really persevere through anything obviously like you have aspects such as circumstances and resources that like can inhibit you from doing so but like with some things it's possible you know yeah okay i have another question for you what's the first memory that you've had what's your first memory Oh, um, so when I think of memories, I think of childhood, and when I think of childhood, I think of where I've lived. Um, I don't really think of memories in, like, a chronological way. Um, Uh I think of it more through experience. Um, man, my earliest memory, well, off the top of my head, it was when (laughs) my brother picked me up once because he was like, no, I can carry you. I can carry you. Like, don't worry. Like, let's just, I just want to try something. And he carried me and he dropped me, (laughs) but I was like by the ledge of, um, of like this windowsill thing. So I hit my head on it and I lost my front tooth because of it. (laughs) Yeah. That's my earliest memory. I just remember because like my mom was yelling at him. And I was crying, and my um, my grandpa was, like, cleaning up the blood and stuff. But, yeah, that's my <gasps> earliest memory. Wow. That's really... <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow, that's so interesting. I think I was, like, six. <laughs> I feel like I have other memories. I just don't know how old I was, but, like, I remember certain things. so things. vividly. Yeah. Like that was, did you think, like, that was a vivid memory? Yeah. It was <laughs> definitely vivid. And, okay, I'd love... And I have another question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you been listening to lately? Ooh, let me just <laughs> check my Spotify real quick. For real? Um, or I guess, like, off the top of my head, Giveon, um, nice. Snow. Oh, I love her. Yeah. Um, who else? SZA. Oh, my gosh. SZA. I love SZA. Yes. Frank is definitely a staple, always in the rotation. Um, yeah. I've been 
I've been trying to really expand my music tastes. Um, like, I, I love R&B and, like, soul, neo-soul type stuff. Um, yeah. But I definitely do have, like, certain artists that I like who are into pop or, like, indie alternative and stuff. But, yeah. What about you? What's, what are you listening to right now? Oh, my gosh. What <laughs> Pop Smoke. <laughs> Pop Smoke, yes. R.I.P. Yeah, um, R.I.P. Rest in power. Rest in power. The Weeknd just made a new song. I haven't heard it yet. King of the Fall, I think. King mm. of Fall. Um, Bryson Tiller just came out with some new stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw. Revamp, like, throwback as fuck. Um, and the, Okay, this is so weird, but when I study and, like, I really need to focus, I listen to White Noise really because like literally my friend told me this and it changed the way like i study because i just sometimes need like some noise Mm -hmm. and it really allows me to like just focus and zone in it just allows me like zone in really well so try that it might be a little weird a little weird at first Mm -hmm. but it kind of it helps me out yeah i'm gonna try that i've never thought about white noise white noise is something to listen to because it is noise so spotify playlist of white noise though and pink noise (laughs) there's only pink noise it's literally, it's literally like white noise, but I guess it's like pink. <laughs> I don't even know. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, okay, and do you have any secret talents? You're a singer. <laughs> barely, barely. Um, but on the topic of music, y'all should check out my younger brother's music, <gasps> Summer Boy, SoundCloud. <laughs> yeah. <I'm>, quick plug. <laughs> yeah. Got a shout out. But um, Was it a Summer, summer Boys? Summer Boy. So summer like boys. S-U-M-M-A underscore B-O-1, I think. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Gerald, I hope you're listening to this. <laughs> if you're not, it's fine too. <laughs> I'm proud of you. <laughs> yeah, gotta make sure we, we're all successful, you know put out the resources maybe someone's out there who'll be like wow i really like his music and then maybe like his career can take off or something gotta yeah gotta um shout out whenever you know honestly gotta shout out whenever yeah like let like if i succeed we all succeed that's how my friend groups are now like with all the relationships that i have now like i know i'm not the most like extroverted but people in my circle it's all genuine love support i yeah. wish us all success no ill intentions you know no. yeah okay all right my last question for you is um all right so it's kind of a two-parter one is what do you do and the t- second part of that is do you want to do anything else and if so what is it Ooh. Very broad, very open-ended. Um, <laughs> what do I do? Um, in a more, like, general way, in a, gen- in a more general perspective, I, I value my education. That's definitely something I'm very passionate about um, and, like, being successful so that my family can also be successful and, like, we can all Follow like that. I don't want anyone to struggle, you know. No. Um, but what I do, mm, that's a good question. I guess like in the academic sense, I'm working on my degree. Yeah, uh, I'm trying love to, that. and like yeah, in professional sense, I'm trying to Get learn different softwares. Yeah, <laughs> okay, softwares. be in my bag. Um, learn applications. Be my brick in. Yeah, <laughs> um, and like 
socially, I want to develop more meaningful connections, more genuine ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I do that now. I'm more conscious of that and more intentional. Um, Super important. Yeah, and like what I do for myself as an individual is just to really keep an open mind and um, value knowledge in True. all forms and from all people, you know. I feel like you can really learn a lot from anyone and everyone. There's always something to learn about this world and like to shape your reality and like change your perspective. Completely agree. But you forgot to answer that second part. What do you want to do? What what do I want to do? What else do you want to do? To be completely honest, I'm really not sure what I'm going to do with my degree yet. And like Mm. depending on job prospects and like, the opportunities and like connections that I have with people um I definitely want to set myself up for success not to be like cliche or anything as but you I, should yeah I definitely don't want anyone in my life to struggle you know um emotionally physically academically um, mentally yeah so I guess like what I want to do is to make sure we're all good and I guess that's just by like being in my bag, but also like <laughs> being developing, your bag for your friends. <laughs> yeah, and like developing those meaningful connections, definitely. I think that's what is what it means to be human is connection. Yeah, and about life. Like that's it's really about experiences, you yeah. know. We got one shot at it. Yeah, so might as well take advantage, maximize your potential, you know. Maximizing potential. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, well, that's all the questions that I've had for you. I had a great time just, like, talking with you, sharing a conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for having me again. Like, I'm really honored to be here, and I'm so proud of you, of how far you've come and, like, where you're going. Like, your potential is infinite. I'm so excited. Um, I feel like I've just seen you grow exponentially each year. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for acknowledging that. Thank you. Oh. This is High Frequency X Intersectional Perspective. This is Den. This is Anissa. And yeah, Godspeed.